nerd soul. A filmmaker and playwright based in Los Angeles, specializing in historical fiction and horror. His latest project is a love letter to Gael films called Bloody Bloody Coda. Matthew first saw Candyman as a teenager after a football game and remembers being absolutely terrified and transfixed by the character. Hi, Matthew. Hi. Hi. Go ahead and take a seat and join us. Next up, I want to introduce Ryan Manley. In 2017, his coming out drama features script. Yes, clap. <laughs> won Best Drama at the Oaxaca Film Festival. And he went on to write pilot scripts for Colorful Kids Productions and Digital Wizard Studios in 2019 and 2020. And he first saw Candyman when he was eight years old. He asked his dad if he could watch it and he got home and then he regretted it so much. <laughs> um, next up, I have a dear friend, I have Patrice Littles. She's the creator and host of Horror Movies and Beyond. Her platform focuses on movie reviews and interviews with horror slash sci-fi content creators, writers, actors, producers, and directors. And the first time she saw Candyman was the years it came out, or the year it came out, she was 12. The aftermath of watching Candyman was more terrifying than any other movie. Welcome, I'm Patrice. And, yes. And we have one more guest, a surprise guest, and we're so happy to have her. Monica actually had a short film anthology here in the festival. It was called Give Me an A. It premiered, I believe, last night. Um, and it's the opposition of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And she is in an all-woman horror collective, and she has her own home her own horror podcast. And Virginia Madison is also a part of the anthology, but in a different short. Mar Monica's short predominantly features bees as well, so it, it's like serendipity that she's here. Hi! And last but not least, I am Charday Sellers. I am the host and creator of Afro Horror Podcast. We have been uh, a podcast for four years that has try to encourage and give flowers to black horror creators in front of and behind the camera. And we're actually taping this panel today for an episode. And uh, it will also be on my partner Jose and Ivan's podcast, Horror and Color. So make sure you're following them as well. All right, let's get to it. So I'm just gonna go down the line and we'll just keep it easy, okay? So Matthew, let's talk about the significance of Candyman on you and your personal life and your career. Oh man, in my personal life, it was just like you said, it was after a football game, we had just won, we were feeling good, a lot of testosterone, and we're like, let's watch Candyman. Never had seen it, scared the bejeebus out of me. And uh, as someone who at that point knew he wanted to be a filmmaker, I was just so, like Helen, hypnotized by it. The music, the lighting, how they shot it. It's so beautiful and like disgusting and brutal at the same time. And uh, a lot of my work kind of follows that same aesthetic or tone. And so it was very monumental to see a villain like that, but presented in such a human yet destructive way. And uh, yeah, just really, has an impression on me. And uh, Ryan, for you, the romantic comedy Candyman, how did it inform you as a filmmaker? Uh, well, well, first of all, it terrified me to go to the bathroom for like a whole year. Uh, 
Um, I remember when I saw it, you know, at school everybody was joking around about saying Candyman in the bathroom, and I didn't really understand the context to it. Um, then I saw it when I got home, and like I said, for that whole year I found myself holding it a lot. Um, all, but aside from that, it, it really... Um, it really scared me more than other horror movies because it let me know that no one was safe in a lot of other horror movies. Kids are always like off limits, but in this one, you you saw a kid bloody in the bathroom, so it, it felt like there was no separation between me and the horror on screen. Um, so that was you know really impactful for me, and also it let me know how much of an impact you can have without being on screen. Because the first time you see this, you would think that Candyman's on screen a lot, but the more you see it, you realize he's only on screen for maybe a combined 15 minutes, and he doesn't show up till like a half hour in. And also, the foreshadowing in the movie, when it first starts out, you kinda, they kind of show you where the climax is going to be with the big pyre and Cabrini Green. And also, the story that starts the movie out with the girlfriend in the bathroom and the boyfriend downstairs, they do the reverse at the end. Um, so it just really taught me a lot of masterful techniques of horror that it's not always about what's in your face, but being more patient and, and more creative to scare your audience. I think my, on that note, my favorite foreshadowing is Helen um, in the Cabrini Green Apartments and that light that hits her from the fence makes a honeycomb and it's just so beautiful. Oh, wow. If you didn't catch that, go back and watch it because it's, and the cinematography is just gorgeous in this. Now, Ivatrice, you have the greatest shirt on. <laughs> so you, did you go to the theater to see this when you were 12? Yes, my uh, sister was like, oh, a late birthday present. And horror is something that's normal in our family. But I didn't expect Candyman. So I saw it at 12 years old when it came out, and it terrified me. But, like I said, my family is just so into horror. I was taking a shower. She cut out the lights, called Candyman five times, and ran out. <laughs> I couldn't use the bathroom for days, and our medicine cabinet wiggled just like that. So it was her. It was just terrifying. But, that reminds uh, me. My cousin locked me in her room with Child's Play playing when I was eight, and I didn't watch a scary movie for 15 years after that. It took a long time. <laughs> so that was the first time I seen it, and I have never seen it since then. And then when I started horror movies and beyond, I interviewed uh, Tony Todd at one of the, I think it was Monster Palooza or something like that. And then I interviewed him later for one of his films, and now we're friends. Well, could you call him? Because we've been calling. <laughs> I actually did ask him about coming here, but okay. he's filming. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's fine. So it did quite an impact in my life. Uh, horror is something that's within, and fear is could be anything and everything. So watching that again, comparing it as a 12 year old it's not scary now of course to me because I've seen all kinds of horror movies but it just reminds me of something a story so simple it could scare the crap out of you the music the tone the voice 
um, just the minimal things can just really impact you. And to this day, I hear people just terrified. But um, when I met him, I was scared. He's like six five or something. Super sweet. He does have the voice. If you ever talk to him, but it just—it's just something that boosts his career. That one and Night of the Living Dead. So. Very nice. And Monica, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Um, so funny because we met back in the lobby and I went, or you are Egyptian theater five years ago. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, we met. <laughs> and if you didn't know, you're in Hornuar. And you talk about candy, man, don't you? Okay, so yeah. like, tell the people. Well, I think, um, I, think I saw it, I was probably like also probably 12-ish when I first saw it. Probably also at my cousin's house where I would see things I'm not supposed to watch. Um, and this movie and myself both, both turned 30 this week. Oh, okay. yay! Happy birthday! I think it's funny too because I also the short that came out yesterday also features bees and that also came out like all in the same week. So this is funny. Um, but yeah, in horror noir it was great because the whole point was to talk about our own representation in horror, which you know Tony Todd has been the face of that for so long, and he was in horror noir too, and we got to meet him that night. And like you said, he is very tall; he's a big presence in the room. Um, and this movie, like everybody else, really, really scared me as a kid because um, I thought, like the way you said that kids are off limits, I thought we were off limits <laughs> until then. And I was like, oh shit, I can die. So that made it, you know, the whole genre all the scarier. But I ended up doing it anyway. Did you mean like we're off limits in this movie? Because in the 90s, we were done in the first 30 seconds. Right. Okay. Which I didn't even watch a lot of horror at the time because I was afraid of everything. I only saw this movie because other people made me. And yeah, that's how I was like, oh my god, we like can be like full on victims, like hunted by one of our own. <laughs> which, which, I don't know how that would actually be, but, you know. Well, no, uh, thank you for the segue, because that is something I want to bring up, because there's two sides to this coin. I, for one, am on the side of, I wish we had more black slashers. I wish we had more black villains. Um, but I also understand that it is a very nuanced conversation, because we don't want to perpetuate any stereotypes. How do you feel about that, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. Is it okay to have a black villain killing other black people? Uh, and I know that Bernard Rose, before he directed this, went to the NOECPP, and he was like, is this okay? And they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. It's, it's like Freddy Krueger, and now we have Candyman. But I think as black Filmmakers were going to be telling black stories with predominantly black cast. And there's a whole other connotation if you have the villain be white. There are so many talented black actors who play evil well. And I don't think we should hide from that. I think there's a, a sort of instinct within the larger community of America, but also the African-American community, 
that black people are either subhuman or superhuman. They're very rarely human beings. It's getting better now in media. But I think in order to embrace that, we cannot be special. There cannot be anything that is separating us. I think part of that is we also need black writers and directors and producers making those films. Um, obviously, Bernard Rose is a very white man. <laughs> but um, I think for what he came from and his background, he handled this with tact. And he treated the characters like they were people. I know there's some issues with some depictions, but even black filmmakers can delve into some stereotypes. And I don't want to ramble, but I think it's important that we have so many options and examples, because the more there are, the further we get away from, oh, this is the exception, oh, this is different. It should be common. Ryan, for you, and as a filmmaker, do you feel like um, being a black filmmaker limits you in the horror space to maybe tackle themes or things that you would want to do? Um, no, I, I don't think it, it really limits me, uh, especially after a film like this. Um, I, I think something like this kind of opens up the doors that black people can be portrayed as any type of character in the movie, because in this, I mean, the main villain is black, but then technically the hero of the movie is Jake, and, and he's black. So, and then there's the the gang members and stuff. So they kind of, and then Bernadette is is the hero. So, um, yeah, I think something like this opens up the doors that we don't just have to be uh, the black boogeyman. You know, it'd be one thing if if Candyman was only killing white people, but pretty much everybody is fair game. So, as a filmmaker, I, I don't feel like I'm put in a box with horror anymore, especially 30 years later. I think this helped, helped kick open the doors a lot. And I, Patrice, you, you study a, a litmus of horror across the board on your site and on your program. So from 1992, when you saw this, to now, where do you think the progression is going for horror for our community? I didn't really think about that one. <laughs> um, I feel like we still have a long way to go, but I also feel like we have progressed quite a bit. But um, I really think that for horror, I think everyone has to help each other. It doesn't matter what race or where you're from, because um, to see the perspective from one person to the next, I think we all need that in film in general. And also, if you if you have a chance to go through a door, you can help someone go through the door as well. So it's not just all should be one color um, for the most part, but if, you, if you're able to get through, help someone like you get through it. I mean, we're all in this together. I kind of see it as a universal thing. Um, has it? Perhaps we were not dying as much in horror movies. It's a good thing. We have Jordan Peele that really has been showing that, that we can act and we can star and we can bring people to the theaters. But he's not the only one that we should rely on, but he has helped us. But we can use that as an example to learn from him, 
see his strategy and then help someone like us through the door. Yeah. And speaking of which, Doors Monica, uh, you've been working since I met you years ago at the Egyptian Peter. Um, what has it been like for you, as especially as a female creator in horror, and, and experiencing your short film through festivals? Oh yeah, I mean, I think I've gotten as far as I have because of other women creators. Um, Chelsea, who's here, is a producer I work with. She produced a short that people noticed to get horror noir to ask me to be in it and shorts since then. Um, so her and other women are where I find most of my opportunities and where I try to extend opportunities as much as possible. And it's been interesting in the festival space because I also am now in the process of working on a black female horror villain, but also hero, anti-hero, I don't know. But she, the short that she's in, it's a lot of mixed responses because some people are like, well, I don't know if she had to kill that guy. And I'm like, no, she did. And it's, it's, you know, it's usually men I meet at festivals that are like, well, did she really have to do that? You know, um, and I don't know if you ask, ask that question of male killers or male uh, villains, you know, like, well, did he have to kill her? Like, you don't, you don't ask that. Yeah, you don't ask Michael Myers, like, are you done here yet? <laughs> like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, she's your sister. We just like, go for it. Get her. Just kill her. Just get him, you know? So yeah. We've been, we've been uh, facing a lot of that whenever it screens. Somebody has that opinion. Um, but, you know, that's just par for the course. I think uh, as people continue to see this villain that we're working on, it's the myth of Bossy Guapa. She's a Dominican monster that kills men that deserve it. And for various reasons, it has to be warranted by her. Um, and I think as people become more familiar with that idea, it'll be a little easier to understand. I'm rooting for you. Go for it. I like when artists take risks and make people mad. It makes me happy. So yes, clap for that, please. Go for it. Um, we're running out of time, but I do want to open it up to the audience. If you have any questions for any of these lovely filmmakers and artists, um, and then I want to play a little game. Any questions at all? I can't really see, so also shout. Okay, there's. I think there's a hand. Yes. What are all of your favorite horror movies? Like your top. Okay, go. Uh, I think it's John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to say Rosemary's Baby. Definitely. <laughs> second one, which is Aliens. Yeah. And also the thing is amazing how this that came up right away when they asked, but I don't know, maybe, maybe 28 days later? Mine is The Descent. Um, maybe one more and then we can play a game. Oh yes, I see a hand. Hand there. I can't. Sorry, I just said one more, but I just wanted to ask this side opportunity. Um, do you have any advice for aspiring actors? 
Oh, yeah, go down the line. There's all, they're all filmmakers. Yeah, I would say someone who's done film and theater, try to do some theater. It's a great way to meet a lot of people, get on the ground level, do some tough acting work, and you're gonna become better for it. There's not a single theater project I have done where people haven't emerged stronger and better from it, so I highly recommend it. And I would just do something, even even if you think the material is like beneath you, just to get your, your name out there and to get in front of people, I would say be a little less picky. I mean, of, of course you don't want to do anything that's unsafe or, or anything like that, but um, yeah, just, just starting out, just try to get in front of a camera as much as possible, even if it's just like a, a short or a web series or something like that. Um, I'm going to have to say that too, um, theater, because I did a little bit of theater, but also look in the mirror and do dialogue, because that's important to see flaws, see your mistakes, your facial expressions, because then you are able to understand who you are, and that's one thing that I did learn. Um, I think I myself am still figuring out how to work with actors. I'm still learning how to do that. But I have noticed the ones that I'm like, oh, I want to work with you again are people that are uh, just kind of down for whatever you're thinking and do, you know, offer their own takes and ideas on things. But also, like, if we're pressed for time, kind of understand that and do what you can to also make the process smoother for the director. And at least for me, that's been like, oh, you're awesome and I want to work with you as many times as possible because today was a hard day and you were really cool about it. That's all great advice. So we do have to wrap up. I want to thank my host, but before, or my panelists, but before we leave, who came the farthest? Shout out the location and you'll win a gift. Hell? Where are these cities? Saskatchewan is in Canada. Anyone can be Canada? No. Well, you win. Congratulations. I have a gift for you. <laughs> um, thank you so much to ScreenFest and to Horror and Color for having us. These panelists will be outside in the lobby, uh, so we encourage you to come say hello and take pictures with them. And whoever won, because I cannot see you, please find me in the lobby. I have a gift for you. Thank you so much for coming, everyone. Go check out our installation with a too.